What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Rise and Pod here with Adrian Conway. Today, I just wanted to kind of dive in and cover the basics of watching 23.3. Now, this is not the strategy episode. This episode is literally just to kind of convey and discuss a little bit of what I saw from the ladies um, as we watched them take part in this workout and the announcement. Now, the workout um, if you guys haven't referenced it, well, of course, get up to speed. First and foremost, it involves wall walks. It involves double unders and snatches. There are time domains that are put on it. The first six minute window, you've got to go through another round that also involves another five wall walks, 50 double unders, and then into 12 snatches at 135.95. So it starts at 95.65, goes 135.95. And then we advance to 20 strict handstand pushups, 50 double unders, then nine snatches, 185.125, and then another 20 strict handstand pushups into 50 double unders and six snatches at 225.155. Now, I know this is coming at you quick, but feel free to locate the details, which will be in the show notes that I'll have below. Um, but the reason I just wanted to record this is because you know, I, I would have loved to be able to do it in the weeks past, talk about what we saw from the elites and them putting on an exhibition in regards to capacity, but I just didn't have the time. So now we're here. I'm going to be more consistent with dropping episodes several times a week for you guys throughout the season. And of course, sharing my opinion about some of the things that go down, uh, the things that we've seen. Now, one thing that I want to say about 23.3 is I'm interested to see how this handstand push-up standard plays out, right? When we consider the variations that we've seen throughout the history of our sport that have included a box that have included personal measurements of our limb length and head and all this different stuff. This seems very general, right? 30 inches in regards to the width of the tape line, 10 inches from the wall, a two inch maximum thickness of tape. You have to touch the line in some capacity. Now here's the thing that's unique. And of course there's, not necessarily, I'm, I'm sure there's a way, but I'm not sure why we haven't explored still better ways to maximize one's limb length in regards to the standards, right? Like the length of my arms CrossFit uh, that I actually have to travel with, like the length of my arms allow me to be a particular distance from the wall and width of my hands. I understand that in a lot of our movements, the goal and desire is not to equalize the distance traveled. So I'm not going to die on this horse where I'm like, hey, we all need to be pressing the same distance because we don't box jump the same distance. We don't wall um, wall ball the same distance. I don't get the shoulder to overhead the same distance. But with those movements, there's no parameters in regards to where I need to put my feet, how I get to do it, how I got to release the wall ball, how wide my squat stance got to be, how close I have to be to the wall, right? Like all these things uh, allow me to train and optimize my body type to get the best results. Same with shorter framed athletes. So the point that I'm trying to make is this early. I'm going to publish this here on Thursday, March 2nd, the same day we watched the workout go down, the same day I released the 23.3 plan to rise from, from True Fitness just to optimize you guys' performance. But we'll see what kind of backlash the community has based around this. And I'm interested to try it myself, someone who's about 5'11", but with the wingspan of the average person, it's about 6'2". Like this sport has always been hard for me to play because of that. And, and that's okay. I, I'm a bit of an outlier specifically for people who have the capacity to perform at a high level. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Um, so I'd be interested to hear you guys' feedback about it, comment, 
you know, leave us a comment. Also, if you enjoy this show, please give me a review. Um, nothing would help me more uh, than to start trending upward in fitness podcasts and mindset podcasts. So I'd love for you guys to give me a review, hopefully a good one if you enjoy it. And if you want to leave a bad one because you don't like it, just don't listen to the show. But Mal O'Brien is the young lady that we're discussing today in regards to the capacity that we've seen from her. Now, she is currently sitting in first place in the CrossFit Open. So when she took the floor today, there was a little bit of pressure on her. Not only that, but she is also the favorite to win the 2023 CrossFit Games now that Tia Claire Toomey is out with her pregnancy. All those things considered, I think Mal O'Brien perhaps put on a show for us to witness her do the workout first, her do the workout live, her only find out about 15 minutes before she took the floor to do it, maybe a little longer, of course, because the everyday athletes went first, which is a great twist this year. I love that they do that. But she got warm, got ready, executed the workout, and perhaps put on the best show in regards to, I don't know that other athletes can go, digest what they need to do, look at her splits, watch her move, and better her still. And that's a big problem. Right When you have the capacity to be the age that she is, to find out a workout, for it to be a gymnastics, monostructural, and weightlifting combined workout and something that increases in skills and increases in load as we go, and she can show up with the shortest notice in the world and do the workout and still end up with the best time, if that holds, folks, that's a problem. And I'm not saying that that means she's the GOAT. She's guaranteed to be the champ this year, although that's who my money will go on if I'm a gambling man. Now, I'll note that if I do some analyst work, I probably won't be throwing down the money, of course, and will keep my opinion to myself in appropriate moments, but you guys can hear my opinion here. Now, Danielle Brandon, on the other hand, I don't think that she performed bad at all. In fact, I know that she got hit with a couple no reps. There was a bit of a communication issue, so let's go ahead and do this. She, let's go ahead and, and, and watch how she executed the workout. If you guys go back and watch the tape, she executed very well. Uh, Mal, in fact, is the one that I think gave up two wall walks. She had to do two extra wall walks in the workout. And I saw a few no reps on the handstand pushups. I'm not quite sure what Becky Harsh, uh, Mal O'Brien's judge, was actually no repping her for. It looked like it was something postural, meaning that at lockout, maybe her butt was touching the wall or at lockout, maybe her head was way behind her arms and they needed, they wanted some head in the neutral position. Uh, perhaps I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I was trying to pay close attention on what she was gesturing to her. Mal clearly made the adjustments and continued on and handled her business, which is what that's a bet move, right? You don't get flustered by the judge. You don't even acknowledge, you don't laugh. You don't roll your eyes. You do your thing and be a pro. With that being said, on the other side, Daniel Brandon, is known for some meltdowns, right? Like, hey, I'm a DBE fan. We're both team rad. Like, get it. Uh, she's under the tutelage of my boy Matt Torres over there at the Brute Strength Crew. Like, big fan of what they do and where she's going. The image that she has. I love that she's set apart. I love that she brings the attitude and the energy. Like, I love all those things. But in the past, her attitude has been a negative thing, specifically when she deals with the adversity, right? We're known her for, for flipping the double middle fingers, uh, she had a bit of a meltdown this year at Rogue, like where she's literally talking to the judge or I'm sorry, talking to the camera crew. Like, why are you filming me? Oh, girl, you know why they was filming you. Because when you get behind in a workout or you fail a rep after the announcers say, hey, what you can't do in this workout is fail a rep. Guess what? You get in that screen time. And that's the way it works. That's the way a sport is played. If you don't like it, execute. 
right? And if you do like it, execute and win so that the glorification or the attention that you get is on a positive side. But here's what I want to say about DBE is that she had something go down with the double unders. She literally goes and does a snatch at 155, which again, you can't shake a stick at after she's already executed so many reps and done so much work. She hits the snatch, puts a bar down. The judge taps her and is like, hey, you got to come back and do some more double unders. Listen, y'all, when I say that would have made me angry, that made me real angry. She smiles, goes back to the double under, goes back to the jump rope, gets her work in, goes back to the bar and starts executing. I'm here for it, right? Like that's the kind of maturation and transition an athlete that you hope to see. What that means to me, and it's irrelevant of where she now finishes placing wise in this workout or in the open, because that's a victory. Um, I don't know that she'll be motivated enough or feel the need to go back and uh, redo the workout to make up for those 30 seconds or 25 seconds that it cost her. But in my opinion, that's growth and progress. And that's important as someone who leads other athletes. That's important for me to see because now I understand that that psychologically and emotionally, there's a maturity that is starting to match her real capacity. She wants to wear the crown, the fittest woman on earth one day and, and actually be able to step on that podium next year at the CrossFit Games, regardless of the placing. She's going to have to have many more moments like that throughout the course of the season. She's going to be tried and tested in quarters. She's going to be tried and tested at semi. She's going to be tried several times at the CrossFit Games with many different things from the unpredictability of the workouts to the, the challenges that we can often face um, in the environment alone. I mean, good night. We had a lot of them last year. Um, it, it was certainly not flawless in regards to judging or placing or penalties or whatever it was. So, folks, we know those challenges are coming, but good, good on you, DBE. Good on you, Brute Team. Good on you, Matt Matt Torres, for uh, you know, helping and, and fostering that development from her. Because from what I saw, I thought that, I thought that was really well handled. Um, and and I think again, here he, here's what's what happens when we watch these live announcements, folks, is that we 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 have the audacity to build up these expectations around two of the fittest people in the entire world, get short notice and go and execute, and we're like, okay, cool, they made that look pretty easy. I think I can do such and such, or I think so and so is going to do such and such. And then you go back to your gym and you get the homie who is good at this, and you're like, yo, bro, you're going to crush this. So and so got this, and then and then they get smacked in the mouth, and then you're like, oh, maybe they're fitter than I thought. Or boy, they really take that virtuosity piece seriously, right? They do the common uncommonly well on a regular basis, these, these athletes. So never, never assume that just because Mal O'Brien finished this thing in under eight minutes or that, you know, Daniel Brandon uh, got in under the time cap and finished her snatches that just there's a ton of people that are going to do it because the list isn't going to be long, in my opinion. And I think that we're going to see some top athletes because it, again, here's, here's the thing you got to remember, both these girls are good at gymnastics. You watch how DBE had to break hers up. I don't know. Those handstand push are probably going to wreck your boy. I'm over here. Like I want to do good in this workout too. I feel like I'm not going to, my capacity is not going to be super tested, but also I haven't been snatching 225. So I don't know how my upper body and my shoulders are going to respond to snatching 185, 95 times or, or nine times. And then also, can I still do handstand pushups? And how do my handstand pushups even go with after uh, wall walks because your boy local muscle endurance ain't ain't top tier right now all that being said i want to keep the focus on the young ladies i thought they did a great job i think that what we're watching um between these two when we watch them compete against each other is two women who plan to be fighting tooth and nail for the podium i believe that in my mind daniel brandon has to have an expectation that she's top three in the world has to at this point right with what she's done over the years in the past with what she did from a coaching transition last year you guys got to remember what she went through 
um, through the transition of leaving underdogs to making the transition to Matt Torres, whom had to learn her as an athlete. And of course they didn't even learn everything about what she needed and who she was as an athlete in the short month or two months that they had prior to the games. That doesn't happen, especially not when you're dealing with someone with that kind of capacity. And now you're not just trying to build capacity. You're trying to teach them how to be a human and how to compete because to be a winner at the highest level of anything, it's way more folks than the numbers that you send them in their app. Way more, way, way more. Building capacity is about that, right? Like I need, I need numbers. I need data. I need to think about rest. I need to think about sets. I need to think about working sets. I need to think about the clusters. Like how many are you going to do unbroken where we need to do touch and go work. We need to do singles. We need to do all these things. That's how you build capacity, skills and refinement. And yes, that never goes away. But once you got an athlete that is a perennial CrossFit Games athlete, you're not coaching their body as much as you're coaching their mind and their emotions. So for her to go through what she went through and then still be in the place that she was at last year at the CrossFit Games, hey, that was a baller season. Now, to understand that they had a short turnaround, went to the Rogue Invitational. She still executed the Rogue Invitational, struggled on the back, back squat workout and some heavy stuff, which we know that's because that's what she needs to work on, right? She needed to get healthy. She needed to get her back healthy. And then she needed to get strong, grunt work, get nasty, get the sandbags out, get the yoke out, get the back squat up, get the front squat up, get the deadlift up, get the deadlift at high volume up, like get that work. And that work takes time. And you also got to do the balancing act with the injuries and the low back and the right. This folks, this job as an athlete and as a coach in this sport at a high level is not easy because the list of considerations that you have to make is a Freaking long one. My point is, she got to be going for the podium. Now, Mal, I can't say that. She, she ain't goaling for the podium. She's goaling for gold. And in fact, I think she was goaling for gold last year with Tia present. She was too young. Her time under load was, was too, too new, right? Like not long enough. She got a great coach just telling her to pump her brakes. Keep the, keep the, keep the big picture in mind. I had someone ask me today, Adrian, in your opinion, can Mal be more dominant than Tia? Now, this conversation can be saved for another episode. I need to have someone on here that can shoot it with me appropriately. But in my mind, Mal, of course, has the genetic potential to do what Tia is doing. And I say doing because I'm not going to let this pregnancy and her having to sit out a year because of her pregnancy even affect her momentum and or her title run. Right. Because if she chooses to come back, she's still the champ in my mind. I don't care what anybody says. With that considered. What Tia has done. Is only going to get harder to do what Matt did is only going to get harder to do. So for us to think about is Justin capable of what Matt did or for for is Mal capable of what Tia is doing? Well, let's let's let Mal let's let Mal show us that she's the fittest on our first. Right. I'm assuming she's going to, but let's let her show us that first. Then after that, does she have the patience and the desire and the passion and the right team in place to keep her hungry? Or will the, the millions of dollars that could potentially be coming her way for her career in the next two years affect her desire to win? Does it change her why? And does she have another one that's strong enough to be a winner? Is it now that she's comfortable, she wants to pursue new passions and get fulfillment some other way. Like now all these assumptions that I'm making, I'm, I'm going to assume like, yes, she will have plenty of whys. She'll have a coach in her in her ear that will keep her as petty as she needs to be to, to 
not just compete, but dominate other women and step on their throat because Matt's very good at that is creating a story and a storyline. All greats are good at this. Rich is good at this. Matt is good at this. I guarantee you Tia is in some way. I don't know her as well personally, Um, but, but all greats in all sports are this way. Find a way to create a story that gives us an attitude or a swagger or a reason. And then you go and you take, or you go and you prove, um, or you go and you validate, right? Like those are the things that motivate athletes. Um, and, and it seems as though Mal's going to have those things lined up, but you just never know, right? You never know. Um, especially in this day of age when people have the ability to, to, to be free, right? We, we've seen in other sports, young men and women walking away from division one college scholarships and NIL deals and professional sport opportunities to be like, it's not making me happy. And as the world evolves, the need to succeed in sport has lessened. Because there are so many other opportunities for someone that wants to be successful in something to create it for themselves, whether it's through entertainment, podcasting, their own business, like it doesn't matter who knows it's, but my point is that in history, sport, if you were good at it, it was like, you had to take that opportunity to create other opportunities for yourself or stability for your family, because maybe you didn't have other options. That was your one good thing you were good at. But now if you're known, the, the advantages that to being known create for you on social media because you've got this platform or on any place where you have an opportunity to monetize your likeness or scale yourself, whether it's like through a coaching service or through anything, podcasting, whatever it might be. And I'm going out on a tangent a little bit and I apologize, but when someone asks me, does Mal have what it takes to be as dominant as Tia? My answer is yes, she does, but I don't know her. And I don't even know if that's what she wants. Does she want to be the greatest of all time? If she does, but you got to start with one, one W, right? Get that one. And then we'll start to see, and then the conversation will advance. But to Mal and to DBE, man, y'all put on a show. Great job. I'm very excited to see what my athletes can do with this test. I'm very excited to experience it myself. And you guys know, I'll be back for another episode of the breakdown for 23.3 and more to come in regards to my thoughts on the performances across the world and across the semifinals and much, much more. We're just getting started with the season, although we're getting ready to conclude the CrossFit Open for 2023. Keep rising, y'all.